You're listening to the We Talk Seahawks podcast, a podcast brought to you by Seahawks UK. Stay tuned to our weekly episodes for pre-game and post-game shows, as well as fun and engaging discussions, and hopefully some special guest interviews along the way. Thank you for listening, stay tuned, and go Hawks! Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you are all doing very well. Um, tonight we're back with the Get It Off Your Chest segment of our podcast where we do a, a live podcast over on Spotify Green Room, and we invite any of you lovely listeners to come on and have a little rant with us about the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we haven't done one in a little while. It's been a, it's been a few weeks since, since our last podcast. It's been the bye week and it's just been a quiet time. We've been a little bit busy over here as well. So it's, uh, but we're, we're glad to get back into the swing of things tonight and we've got plenty to talk about as always. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about how we all see the second half of the season going. Uh, we've got things that could be a smokescreen potentially that, that have happened so far. Um, obviously, we're going to touch on the OBJ situation. That's that's the main talking point of the NFL at the minute, obviously with his links to the Seahawks potentially. So we'll cover We'll cover that story and um, anything else that we feel like we want to get off our chests in the meantime as well. Um, but tonight, I'm joined, as always, by my main right-hand man. It is Pez. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Long time no speak, eh? Good. Nice to, nice to have you back again. Long time Hi. no speak. Long time no speak. A couple of weeks. And uh, it's been the bye week. of uh, we've, we've had time to sort of unwind a little bit and, and sort of cool off from a few uh, infuriating Seahawks performances that I'm sure we're going to get stuck into. But uh, have, you, have you enjoyed not being uh, not being broken-hearted by the Seahawks for a week? Do you know what? It's been really weird that since Geno Smith's been playing, I've been relatively calm. Because yeah. you've just kind of got to accept the thing. Yeah. And not get overexcited because he looked good against the Jaguars. And then we've gone into the bye. So I'm a, yeah, I'm a quite calm man. Do you know what? I'm stupidly optimistic. Even though we're going into Green Bay and Russell Wilson's never won there. Mm. Like, I'm not bothered about the Green Bay game. Like, he could almost slate it as a loss because he has never won there. But I'm excited to see Russell Wilson back and to see us win some football games. But I'm going to be pleasantly kicked off my perch when we have to watch Pete Carroll against Green Bay. It's uh, it's never a recipe for success, is it? I mean, uh, like you say, we can we can always just normally mark down the Green Bay loss uh, when it, whenever it comes around. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, like you say, I'm 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 looking forward to this weekend with it being Russell Wilson back again, and I'm looking forward to seeing him soon up again and uh, hopefully getting back to 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 the norm again. But uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to and it. And it's going to be snowy as well in Lambeau this weekend, apparently. So that's just, you know, even something else that's that's just guaranteed to make it a loss. Um, do you know yeah. uh, Do you know another thing what Russell Wilson's uh, not good at? Go on. Playing in the cold and the snow. Very true. Very true. Which we which we mentioned previously that makes zero sense because he's he was at college at Wisconsin and he plays football in Seattle. And yet he can't exactly. It doesn't make any sense, but he can't. No, you're right. So yeah, we, we're, we're marking it down. We, I think we all marked it down as a loss at this in the in the uh, in the yeah. prediction as well. And it, it, I don't think that's going to change um, in the in the next few days. But 
Tonight, again, we're joined by Mr. Josh Edwards. He joined us on our last Get It Off Your Chest podcast, and uh, he was he was absolutely fantastic, and we're delighted to be welcoming him back again tonight. So, Josh, how are you, mate? I'm, I'm not too bad. Uh, busy, busy man. man. So I'm, I'm glad that you've had a bit of a break as well, because I thought I was missing out. No, we, we, we wouldn't let you do it. We wouldn't, we wouldn't let a Get It Off Your Chest uh, uh, episode happen without you now. So it's... Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're very very happy to have you back on, and um, yeah, you've been you've been busy. What you've been up to? Work mainly. I've had a well, I, I work in insurance with uh, sort of caravan sites, and uh, oh yeah, it's getting to that wind down season. So they all decide that they want to do their admin really late in the evening, which means I, hey. I have zero social life. And caravan also insurance, they live in the dream. I, it's, a, it's not just no, caravan, just... it's caravan park insurance. Come on. Um, it's even oh, more sorry. exciting. Caravan park. <laughs> <laughs> Moving yeah, between between that and having a toddler as well. <laughs> That's it, you know. It's, it's oh, in the exciting it. world of insurance, regardless of what you work in, it's boring to sin. Um, but it's, uh, it's better than some of the jobs I've had, to be honest. Um, and like I said, between having that and a toddler, my, my days are pretty much full. And watching Seahawks when they're on and crying in a cold, dark corner when I watch some of the horrible, ridiculous plays. Oh, and, and just Geno Smith in general. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, just, just watching watching the Seahawks in general is enough to make you a busy man in terms of the way the Seahawks play. I mean, that, that's tiring enough. So I, to, to have all that on top of that is uh, fair play to you, mate. Uh, because, yeah, I, I can imagine you've enjoyed this bye week as well then. It, it was nice to put on red zone and just watch mm. everyone else play and not worry about the Seahawks coming on at stupid o'clock in the morning or having a Seahawks game on with the red zone and being more enthralled with red zone than the Seahawks game. <laughs> well, I've got it was, it was, I've got back into fantasy again great. this year, so I, I do watch the red zone with more sort of intrigue now, and it, it, it is just class, like. It, it's there's just nothing that compares to it in terms of like I know like we have like the our like Gillette soccer Saturday with with our football and everything, but like it's just whoever whoever invented it that way you can just go from like play to just seven hours nonstop. It it, it is the highlight of my week. I, I I look forward to six o'clock on a Sunday every week, and it is it was so nice just to watch it without knowing that my night was going to be ruined by the Seahawks. Uh, it, it was just it was just lovely. So you, you talk. It, you talk about fantasy, obviously I watch the red zone because of that, but on one of my fantasy leagues I play, I'm in charge of the Houston Texans franchise. Oh, all right. So that's yeah, fun. That, that isn't, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not great viewing. So no. as soon as I see a, as soon as I see a, like a Houston Texans highlight come up, I'm like, oh, someone scored on them again. I'm losing again this week. Yeah, that's, uh, I think even yeah. with the Seahawks playing the way they are, I think we can count ourselves a little bit lucky when I, uh, when I tune in and I, and I watch the, uh, the Houston Texans and see the, the situation and, and obviously the Lions as well. At least it, it, it could be worse. It could be worse, <laughs> couldn't it? So, um, we're not as, uh, we're not as bad as we give ourselves, uh, as we make ourselves out to be at times. I don't think we are, we are a little bit blessed in that sense, but, uh, yeah, let's get on to the uh, oh, yeah. the first turkin turkin point talking point um, turkin point. There we go. I was, do you know what? A, a, a turkey just popped in my head there for no reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know whether it was the animal <laughs> or the country or whatever. It just that word just popped into my head and turkin came out. But it's not turkey. either or. That was brilliant. Either or. It, it great, the- great start to the podcast, James. <laughs> well done. Hey, 
we've had a few weeks off. We've had a few weeks off. We're just getting back into the swing of things now. So yeah, give me, give me, give me that one. I, I won't say that one again, even though that it was kind of funny. But um, yeah, let's get into the first talking point. How do we all see the second half of this season going? Because like you say, the first half of this season, what are we, three and five? <laughs> Ups and downs yeah. already. Typical Seahawks season. Not the typical Seahawks season in, in terms of the record of, of us being on a on a negative record at this stage of the season. Uh, we're not particularly used to this in the, in the, in the Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll era. Um, so in this strange old season that... That it's been so far. How do we all how do we all see it panning out in the second half of the season? Obviously, tough schedule ahead. Green Bay, like I say, to start with this weekend, and then Arizona coming to town the uh, the following week. It's uh, it's not getting any easier over the next two weeks. So is it uh, is it confidence James, or is it um, what? Wow, well, that's not a nice response, is it? <laughs> but I just wanted to jump just just wanted to jump in there when you said the Cardinals. What did I tell you at the start of the season, James? What did I tell you about Kyle Murray at the start of the season? You told me he's going to be injured. Yeah, what's happened to him? He is injured as of right now. Is he? You, you know fine well he's going to have a fitness test on Friday and Saturday and he's going to be fit to play. Yeah, but is it, is it, it's his ankle, isn't it? It is his ankle, yeah. Right, so the, the good thing they've got is... They've got such a healthy record lead that they can pick and choose which games they can essentially bench him. But the majority of his game is, is mobility. If he's got an ankle injury, I, I, I would personally say that isn't going away. That isn't going to go away it's at not, all. In terms of... In terms of you saying you, you can pick and choose when you bench him, would there be like would, I, I suppose I'm jumping the gun a bit on a few talking points here, but this, with the Seahawks' defensive line performance this year, would it really be a problem him playing against us? Are, are we really going to get to him? Um, I'd like to think we would, but I, I mean, I, I'm not. Do you know what? He's it, not a, a Seahawks. Thing this, it's just I'm happy to be right that his body's failing him again, yeah, like it has the last couple of seasons. That's very harsh. I just just wanted to chuck that in there. It isn't because of the Cardinals. I don't I don't mean any bad ill towards the individual person, right. but in the grand scheme of it being the Cardinals and being the NFC West, then yeah, fuck him and fuck the Cardinals. Pricks. Yeah, fair enough. We're, we're we're back into the swing of things, Josh. Can can you tell? We're, we're, that didn't take long, did it? For the first F bomb from Pez. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I, I I completely agree with him now. Yeah. Yes. When when you've got a quarterback who I'm not going to take his throwing away from him. He's a fantastic throw of the football, but mm-hmm. his game is is predominantly his mobility, his movement. When his ankle's done. He's knackered, and you've got to think with how rigorous they train them, and and the games he's going to play. How how much is that going to stand up now for the rest of the season? So they, they like I said, their yeah. option could be they bench him for a couple of games, maybe take a couple of losses, in which case they'll be what seven and three, seven and four at a push, um, yeah. and then from yeah. there, 
Eight and three. If they bench in the next two games and they lost them they're, because they're eight and one at the moment. Oh, well, there you go. But they've got a bye yeah, coming still, up. They, they've still got yeah. Exactly, which is going to play in his favour anyway. So they, I, I, I can't see past them in our division, unfortunately. I think the, the Rams with Stafford have, have done brilliantly this year, but fucking pains me to say that as well. Yeah. But he's obviously been the difference in what I've been looking for. And well, isn't he? He's questionable as well for the next game, isn't he? With his back or his shoulder? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we'll save that till later on because we're going to talk about yeah, the yeah. picture of like the NFC it. West. Yeah. I just took us down a, on the last podcast. Yeah, down a rabbit hole there. <laughs> they're, called, they're called Hawks, Hawk Holes, Josh. Yeah. We came oh, up with a new. We've gone down a Hawk Hole. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'll, I'll let James, as usual, bring us back out of this one and get back on track. I will get us back on track. I will also say that I think you're forgetting our record against backup quarterbacks as well, because I, 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 I couldn't tell you who the backup. I don't know whether it's still like CJ. It's Beckham, that motherfucker who beat us with the Giants last year. McCoy, Colt oh, McCoy. Um, yeah, yeah. Is it, it is yeah, the guy. The guy who's who, who's fifty but looks like a sixteen-year-old boy. <laughs> like madness that man madness he's he's something else in so yeah I think I would rather Josh have McClellan was the same though yeah <laughs> right anyway we'll get back on track now back on topic come back on. on topic come on so so how how, how do we see it go? Do, do you see us making a push for the what because in the way I see it I mean I think it's the Falcons who hold like the seventh seed like the, like the last wild card spot on four and four and it's like we're, we're one win and a Falcons loss away from sort of being like joint seventh for that last wild card spot. So, in terms of how it, it is really up for grabs, but when I look at our schedule, I mean, obviously you've got Green sure. Bay and then the Cardinals. You, you've got, I think we've got the Texans and the Lions to come as well, which should be two wins. But we've got the Rams, you know, again we've got you know the Cardinals twice. It, it's, I, I think our schedule might let us down but I, I'm not going to write off the opportunity to sneak it in that seventh spot and I think I think we should be optimistic that we can get it and I think our the second half of the season can be a positive one and can be a playoff one if like I say Russell Wilson gets back and we get back to to sort of winning ways and like I say I mean there's still that drama surrounding Aaron Rodgers and will he play this week and he hasn't been I don't think he's officially been declared to play yet but like I say again it's backup quarterbacks and it's in Lambeau Field anyway so would it really matter um, but it would it, it, but if I can jump in there if that Jordan Love plays and Russell Wilson doesn't beat Jordan Love I'll take his other finger out because <laughs> I watched some of that game the Chiefs game with Jordan Love and yeah, first start, bit of nerves, like mm. got to get his legs under him. But my God, he was awful. Aaron Jones, I've got Aaron Jones in fantasy and he was oh, wide yeah. open on a screen and he just couldn't hit him wide open. And I was just like, oh my God, what is this guy? So yes, if we play Jordan mm. Love, it's better Daryl Taylor to fucking feast on him. And Russell Wilson to get his first win at Lambeau. What won't be a real win because Aaron Rodgers is a 
little anti-vaccine Nazi who just needs to shut up and play football. <laughs> anti-vaccine Nazi. There we you go. can't call him an anti-vaccine Nazi. You know, he gets all of his medical information from Joe Rogan. <laughs> he's, just an, he's just an uneducated hick. Oh. I love it. I love it. Um, back on to the um, schedule. I was looking at, yeah, whilst you were talking before, I was looking at a few stats that I found quite interesting. Um, but back onto the schedule, we have really, um, well, really, if Geno Smith could actually execute a winning drive, that would have been lovely. But because we lost to the Saints, we kind of are, out of all the teams in what you'd say the hunt, we kind of... Um, we're kind of crippled to the seventh seed at the moment. We need the Saints to completely fall off because they beat us. Yeah, we need them to like what? So we we need them to lose three more games essentially, and we need to so. then not lose like. And that is a yeah. that's a massive ask because the, the Vikings. Let me just are, get there. It, it, it's the Falcons on four and four who are like in the seventh spot, and I think even the Vikings are like one above us, and then we're in like the ninth spot. And obviously the Vikings yeah, so, beat us. So. so you've got the Falcons yeah. at four and four, so we can take their spot. Yeah. Um, the Panthers at four and five. The Vikings at three and five. Us at three and five. But obviously the Vikings the Vikings have the win over us as well. So we need the yeah. Vikings to fall off. We need the Saints to fall off to give us two spots to play with. But it... Yeah. It's, it's, it's so hard to look at that schedule and try and be optimistic and then not go down a massive rabbit hole of just fast forward to the end of the season and what the hell's going to happen to this team. But we've done that too many times, so we're going to stay away from the light and we're going to stay in yeah. the darkness of what this season is going to be. I, mean, I, I, I personally think that the the start of the season was they they were the fixtures that if we'd won, we would have been, obviously it would have been a totally different conversation now. But looking at what the back end of the season holds fixture wise, we've got a tough run in now. We've got a lot of divisional opponents, but fair play, we've got the Texans and the the Lions, which should be walkovers for us. But based on the rest of the season, who knows? I'm I'm yeah. I'm really reluctant to to say well we'll get a wild card, even with the Saints mm. having Winston out now. That is it. Simeon has proved that he's Simeon, capable, yeah. and then they've got yeah, and then they've got the Swiss Army knife of a man, Taysom Hill. He'll come in on all the weird little gadget plays, which will run in for a touchdown or do something magical for a touchdown. I, I, I'm, I'm finding it very hard to be optimistic. I mean, when I look at our upcoming games, like there's, I think realistically we can look at it and say there's, you can mark down the games that you would say that you could realistically win, like with us, without us being biased. So for me, it's the Washington football team in week 12. Then you've got the Niners and the Texans in week 13 and 14. They're up, they all could and possibly should be wins. And then you've got the Bears in week 16 and the Lions in week 17 that possibly should be wins. So what, with, with, with five more wins, is, is that going to be enough to, to get that final playoff spot? I mean... Depends what the rest of our division do. So, yeah. yeah, so 
so looking at it now, right? Um, having a quick little gander. You can pretty much chalk up two losses with the Packers and the Rams because two places Russell Wilson have never won before is LA and Green Bay. I can't yeah. see, especially with the way like the team's been so far and the complete like disconnect in certain areas with the coaching and the players and stuff. It will literally take, I think, um, like a Pete Carroll just leaving Russ and Waldron to just deal with the offence themselves if they really want a realistic shot and I'll live and die on this statement like I've mentioned in several podcasts before if they want a realistic chance of making that wildcard spot he just needs to leave Russ to run that offence on his own but it'd take a biblical miracle or a stroke to beat Carroll for that to happen so it, it, it won't happen I think it's, we said this on the last pod, Pete's just, he's got too much of a presence and he, he commands too much from that team. So even though he's got these offensive and defensive coordinators, we all know that he's calling the big plays and what well, what he perceives as a big play. Um, and I, I don't think he's going to just let him fly. I mean, I think the, the, the telling part of what our offense is going to look like is when we come up against the rounds and... Mm. Russell Wilson has to figure out, and Waldron, and let's face it, Pete Carroll, have to figure out a game plan that's going to stop Russ getting sacked in the double digits with their now just ridiculous pass rush. Yeah. You know, if we can't work out a way to get the ball out of his hands quick, make some yards, get some first downs and put some points on the board, I think that's just, that's indicative of exactly what's going to happen to us. So you know, we can't yeah. compete with a superstar, you know, D line like that. So we need to try and get our O line working. We need to try and get our offense marching, even if it's just small yards. I will happily take three downs or two downs of three yards and then one down of four every time just to march us down the field, as long as that ball yeah. gets out of his hands and it's caught reliably reliably. Or run. Whether it's Chris Carson with his smacky neck or you know Alex Collins trying to jink through people because let's face it, the other ones aren't going to do much. Mm. That's that's well, the only way I can see it going. That 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 you you're right to be fair, and and that's what I've sort of said to you before, Pez, and I've said on this podcast as well. Like, I don't know what this team is, so it's so hard to predict how they're going to play against like what the, the, this offense. I mean, how they're going to play against certain defense. Like, if if we were just a pass-first team, we knew we were a pass-first team pretty much every down type thing. I know not every single down, but reliably, someone like the, the Chiefs, like who, who heavily rely on the pass when they've got every, everything and, and stuff like that. Those pass-first, high-power offences, if, if we were something like that and we were going against certain defences and, and you, you could you could figure out and, and predict pretty confidently how it was going to play out. If it, And similar with, you know, same with the run sort of, Run first attack, and we, we've experienced that, you know, in in the heights of our you know glory days and years past, when we, you know we were run first downhill team with with your Marshawn Lynches and your Turbins and of, of the world and everything like that. And you know, you know, when, you knew when we came up against certain defenses that our offense was just going to roll over them because you knew how our offense worked. We knew what we were going to call, and you knew it was going to work against that certain defense. Whereas now, it's like 
every player is a complete guess. Every comp every player is a complete mystery. I can never predict whether it's going to be a pass, a run, a, a fucking kick, a, a, a backwards run like with Travis Homer. It, it just it it nothing is in sync and nothing. There's there's never any sort of plan. You know, every, every, we don't play defenses to to their sort of their weaknesses and, and we don't sort of take advantage of defensive weaknesses. We just try and play the same offense against every single fucking defensive unit, which is, you know, it, it, it so I, it, it's just such a hard offense to predict in, in terms of how we're going to sort of beat teams, because I, I don't know, I don't know what this team is. So it, it's just so hard to predict for them, but it, I just think this schedule is going to, is going to let us down. Unfortunately, I think, I think we'll come back. I think we'll win four or five games get eight, possibly nine wins, but I, 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 I don't think that's going to be enough in, in terms of the, the tiebreakers and, and the other records of, of, the, of the teams in, ahead of us. So, yeah. Uh, sorry, Josh, I was just going to jump in and say, before you made a very good point about the quick, quick, uh, like short passing game, quick passes, intermediates. Something I noticed in that Jags game, and obviously we didn't do a podcast for it, um, but something I noticed about and something I was going to speak about was people jumped on this because Geno Smith like he, ex- he he had a really good game and people were like see it's Geno's not the problem it's the coaching staff and this and that but what's a complete lie he's not good enough and the fact is indicative of the fact that he can dismantle the Jags like he did but he can't do it against other teams. If anything, shows, in my opinion, that he, he's like he mentally let the big, you know, prime time games get yeah. to him. Because then, yeah. when they're not on prime time, he, he's against the Jags and he's tearing the field up, and everyone's like, "Oh, where's this? Where's this Gino been?" Well, he's just because he's not good enough. So don't try and make him out to be a hero now. But one thing I noticed they were doing, they like, I think that trick play they did. Is the first trick play I've seen Seattle use since Russell Wilson was it Doug Baldwin against the Eagles? Um, yeah, yeah, way through to so, Wilson and he caught it, yeah. in, and then just just got yeah just got into the end zone for the touchdown. That yeah. from my memory, that is the last trick play I have seen the Seahawks use, and like I've said previous times, is because like. Like you said, James, is because everything is so vanilla and so safe because that's how Pete Carroll wants it now. That's how that's what I personally believe. Like to back your point up, uh, James, what you were saying about this offense and things like that. It's like it's almost like he's so. And this is will shoot us in the foot against the Rams who were flying high, the Cardinals who were flying high. Um, let me just get the schedule up because there was a team here where I looked at and I thought they could cause us problems. Um, I do you know what? If Matt Nagy's still with the Bears, mm. then no, Matt, this this point goes completely out the window. If Matt Nagy is not with the Bears by the time we play them at Week 16, and Justin Fields plays like he did when Matt Nagy wasn't there the other week. He, he could cause us issues. He could cause us. Oh, yeah. He could shock a lot of people. He could cause us really bad issues. I swear to God, if Justin Fields shows up against us, I'm going to be so pissed off. Because I, I said at the start of the season, I was like, I followed him on that QB one. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah. it was on Netflix, and thought, you know, he's got some talent. Let's see how he goes. And I followed him through his college career, and then 
he's all right. He came to the NFL and absolutely tanked after me telling all my mates to watch him and convincing one of my friends to sign him as his rookie in a fantasy league. Um, and then he's he started showing flashes of brilliance. And part of me has got a bit of squeaky bum going, oh my God, is he starting to figure out what the league's about? And is he going to start actually throwing the ball about and playing properly in time to play us? And if that happens, I am going to be so pissed off because I said at the start of the season, he's a type of quarterback that I would love to succeed Russell Wilson because he can do it with mm. his legs. He's got a laser throw and he's got a decent arm on him. He just needs to learn the league. Yeah. And if oh, he's yeah. showing that now, I'm, I'm genuinely just going to curl up into a ball and wait for all the abuse to come through on text from my friends. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it could happen. Like he showed it in this last game. Like he's showing that he's, he's growing a little bit more and more. So mm. it, it, it could be. But the thing is, it's like, like you said, James, RB1 is forever injured. Like, take love and loyalties out of the equation. Because a lot of Seattle fans, they, they like have this blind loyalty to players sometimes. It's like, like, yeah, loyalty. And Chris Carson's one of them because, yeah, you love watching him. When he's on it, it's class to watch. But you can't get past the fact that he's injured. There's a reason I wasn't picked up in free agency by anyone. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's the pure, simple fact. It's the fact like everyone probably looked at his numbers and went, bloody hell, when he's on, he is on. You look at his highlight yeah. reel and you think he's a class player. Mm-hmm. And then you look at how much time he spends in the physio room and they're like, I don't think we can afford to pay a physio that much just to cater for him. That's what so half his contract is, the medical bills. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> that's, half, that's half the money you pay him in, in America's healthcare system. Well, this is the thing. I mean, you've got with this one of the reasons DK didn't get picked up by a lot of people because yeah. he had that spinal injury, didn't he? Where yeah. there were, it was touch and go whether, whether he'd be able to walk, let alone play. Mm. No, and a lot of the teams passed on that because they thought if we sign him as a high draft pick, he could explode for one or two seasons. But then all it takes is one wrong fall, one bad hit, and they're, they're a draft pick down, they're a player down. So when he fell to us, I thought, oh, that's probably about right. Well, I'll take a bit of a gamble based on his medical history. He's proved that he can do it, but mm. it plays a big part in a lot of players. You know, like, like you said, Pez, Seahawks fans have got a blind like, love for some players. The, you know, the, the middle ground fan, the, out, the person on the outdoor looking in, can look at that and go, well, I don't know why, because he's shit. Yeah. But we're like, no, he's, he's the best thing ever. We've not had anyone like him for ages. You know, we're now looking at Daryl Taylor, and granted, he's going to be a cracking player, mm. but we're talking about him being like the next great pass rusher. Other people are going, well, oh, it's not got that many sacks. Look at other people. Yeah. Like TJ Watts out there, you know, you've got your, your bosses that have come flying out of the blocks and do it every single season. And we've now, we're propelling, same as Jordan Brooks, we're propelling them up into these upper echelons of players because we've got this mad love for them. But the rest of the league looks at them and goes, eh, they're all right. Do you know, do, yeah. when you mentioned Jordan Brooks, uh, Charlie messaged me um, about Jordan Brooks a couple of weeks ago. And he said, because we we're going to do a live and then it didn't happen. But he was like, um, I'm going to upset a few people on that live because I've got a few things that I want to get off my chest about uh, Jamal. Well, it's when Jamal Adams wasn't playing, everyone was on his back. And he said Jordan Brooks as well. So I know you're not probably going to like this. 
And then I had a good conversation with him, and he, he makes good, valid points, but um, it, it, it's just a mad one because Jordan Brooks, we, we, we could have done with Jordan Brooks in the years when we had uh, Michael Kendricks, when all anyone was crying about was an open field tackler. We couldn't tackle anyone in the open field. Jordan Brooks comes along, and that is what he specialises at. He specialises at open field tackles, sideline to sideline, and getting after a quarterback but all he ever gets used is in coverage. So he's now getting a bit he's getting a bit of heat because obviously his coverage skills aren't that good. He's average. This is something else that baffles me. You know, in college, Jordan Brooks, like you said, he specialised in getting after the quarterback because he has got some electric pace for someone like in his position. And I can't even think about if I've ever seen him blitz. He, he, he's done it successfully. He got that so one he did exact, it. didn't he? He, he, I mean. he did he did it against Cousins. Yeah. And he was a millisecond. Cousins is just is just the best, probably one of the top quarterbacks for being so evasive from a sack. He can get that football out of his fingers in like a split second because Jordan Brooks had his hand on him and the ball was gone. Like he was milliseconds from a sack. He did it once in that game, didn't do it again, even though it worked perfectly. And then they did it against Stafford, and he actually did it. And then they just didn't use it, though. They just—it's like, oh, that works. So we'll just go back to what we were doing. It is—it is baffling. But oh, 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 that works. But let's let's move him back, you know, back into the linebacker position, and then you know, let's put our edge rushers back in the, as additional linebackers as well. Because Benson Mayola, for as a linebacker, go electric. Oh, really want to sick in my mouth every time I see him in college. <laughs> Oh, that, right, that, right, 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 right. One minute. Are we bringing it back? Are we bringing it back? <laughs> we're going to bring it back because we're going on a very, very negative spin for oh, a very positive, for a very positive bye week, no stress headspace until the weekend. So I'm going to bring some positive pez into the room. As Go on, James likes. He's always welcome. And He's always welcome. I, I think that this isn't me spouting that we're we're definitely going to get to the playoffs but I I don't know I just in my head when I have a conversation about what's going to happen before the start of the season in one of our podcasts Josh I called that this offence will struggle in the first couple of weeks I didn't envision Russell Wilson would have gone out injured but I envisioned that the the offence would struggle and get hot later on like, obviously, the record puts us in a bit of a bind now for where I envisioned the getting hot into the back end of the season would take us. But sometimes having a player and a personality like Russell Wilson, giving him five free weeks in the season could be dangerous for everyone else. In my opinion, it could really, it could really be dangerous because one, right, Things weren't clicking when Russ was on the field. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's untouchable and he's unslatable. Things like things weren't happening when he was even on the field. Things weren't clicking. Things just weren't marrying up. Whether that was a clash between Russ, Waldron and Pete, Pete and Waldron, Pete and Russ, something wasn't clicking. There were some proper horrible, stale, stagnant games. Now, you give someone like Russell Wilson who's obsessed with winning and a perfectionist, four free 
weeks to rest, analyse a game from the sidelines and watch things. I think you could see uh, Russell Wilson from the start of last year to be Russell Wilson in the second half of this year. What could be very, very dangerous for everyone who touches him. Because I, because also I personally think this is a stupid statement and it goes against everything I believe in, but I'm trying to stay positive, so I'm not going to spin it. I personally think when Pete Carroll watched Geno Smith on that field and looked next to him and saw Russell Wilson, like he said in that interview, if Russ wasn't here, I wouldn't be in a job right now. I honestly... Not necessarily the pennies dropped because he's too egotistical and stubborn to ever relinquish power. But I think in that interview, he, he sounded defeated. And he's not, I'd like to say he's not a stupid man to say, oh, well, look what we did against the Jags. Everything's fucking sweet. I honestly think when he watched back-to-back games of Geno Smith fluffing a game-winning drive, I think it hurt him to the point where he just sounded defeated when he said it. When he basically admitting, if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, if it wasn't for Russell Wilson being here for so long, he would not be in the head coach's job. Mm. Like, you can't say a statement like that and then expect for Russ to just listen to the crap plays he wants to call. He, With that statement he relinquishes some power to Russ by giving him a bit of a tip of the cap and saying, like, yeah, you are, like, you are good. Like, you know what I mean? I, 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 I do. I, do I, I found it a little bit heartbreaking to hear Pom Pom Pete sound so downbeat about some things. So I was like, when, when he did say that, I thought, bloody hell, is he... Is he sort of thinking, oh, my God, I've made some mistakes here. You know, should I be doing more with Russ? I'm genuinely hoping, and I'll stick with a positive spin, by like what you've just said, Pez. Pete Carroll's going to go, oh, maybe I should let Russ have a bit more. And I'm hoping Russ spending that time on the sideline, seeing what does work and what doesn't work, will reignite his play-calling ability and his decision-making ability. So we said in the last pod about him, looking for those those moon balls all the time, trying to make his 30, 40 yards. But as was proven by Gino, fair play was against the Jags, but let's not forget, the Jags won yeah. the weekend just gone, yeah. which I find baffling. Josh you know, so they're not that bad. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which I, I, I loved hearing the commentators constantly mention those two names. I didn't. Because I had Josh the defence. quarterback. <laughs> In, in the defense, the defense of the Jags isn't that bad. Their offense is oh, scary, scary unit. That yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence must get behind outside that behind the O line every time and be like, "Oh God, who's going to try and catch it this time? Let's just fling it anywhere and hope for the best." And Quandre enjoyed that. Um, but I'm, I'm genuinely hoping that Russ looked at, on that sideline, looked at what Gino was doing wrong, and looked at what he did well i.e. the short throws, the medium throws, using the middle of the field, and has gone, shit, maybe I should use that. Because that's, it's, it's one thing we don't use. I was listening to a different podcast the other day, and they were talking about the fact that we do not use the middle of the field. 
you look at our tight ends, slot receivers, whoever we may use, the Eskridge is going to be back as well. Mm-hmm. We have got so much field to use. And if Russ starts utilising all those weapons, we are going to be an amazing team to watch, even if it's just short yardage, even if it's just flicking the ball over the top for five yards just to keep us rolling forward. Because the thing that hurts us the most is constant zero yards, drop catches or, you know, overthrows, anything like that. If we just keep it ticking over, which Russ has got the ability to do, draw the defence close to the O-line and then shoot it over the top to someone like Lockett or Metcalf, just sprinting past people, we will unlock so many defences and it will be a beautiful football game to watch. I feel I feel really bad now because the next the next point the next talking point that we've got is is there any sort of smoke screens that we that we've identified that we think might be sort of are, are we overhyping certain things and and the, the the bullet point that I put down is now going to make me sound like a, like I'm absolutely kicking positive pez and positive josh in the bollocks but <laughs> the, the the point that I had down was what do the Seahawks do well outside of Russell Wilson's play? And 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 I, I, when I when I was putting that point down, I couldn't think of anything that the Seahawks do particularly well that isn't named Russell Wilson. So that that was that was my sort of. I know it's quite a general thing as like the smoke screen, but that was kind of my point. So now I feel like a real defeatist sort of the, the exact opposite of a fan that I'm trying to be, and the exact opposite of the freaking positive sort of little 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 flurry that we're in here. But I mean, so. I, I jump, I jump in, I jump in here, and spin it for you. So, what, what we were just saying then about maybe Pete watching Gino has realised, like how lucky he is to have Russell Wilson. Like he said in that press conference, like we said, um, if. Pete, so you look at it right and you think Tom Brady went to the Bucks and it was a bit of a shit show at the start and then towards the back end of the season what was reported was Tom Brady kind of took control of the offence and Bruce Arians kind of just got on board with it. Now, because Pete Carroll essentially... In that statement, has admitted that he essentially took Russ for granted for so many years. Maybe now, maybe now, he he has a bit of a Bruce Arians moment and just goes, "All right, Russ, I'll get on board with you." Right. So, like, you're, so you're saying, so you're saying that Pete's now realised that. They don't do anything particularly well outside of Russell Wilson, and, and now, but now that's going to, yeah, now that's going to work in our favour because he's realised that and he's gone like, right, now we're going to sort of play to Russell's strengths a bit. So is that is that how you're spinning it? Yeah, I'm going to spin it like that. Putting some putting some context behind that as well. So I can't remember what game it was where the coach's or Russ's headset went down, so he couldn't hear any plays. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he, yeah. He he scored on a drive of something like seven or eight plays with him calling the line. So we know he can do it. 
it might it, it wasn't this season. Was it? No, it was a, it was it, it was it wasn't this year. It was was it last year or the year before against the Panthers? That was it. Because I remember I sw- there was like fucking forty seconds on the clock, and I thought, well, Pete's just gonna kill the game, and they're gonna run into the locker room. Yeah. Yes. Just yeah. That. Tw- was it a twenty-second drive? Twenty-second drive. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And my my brother went, "Did you just see that last drive?" I was like, "What drive?" Looked at the score. I was like, "What the fuck is just happened here?" But my, my favourite bit was Russ looking at the sideline, like trying to lip read, and then just tapping on his helmet and going, "No idea." Just like it was basically like one of those memes, like, ah. and then just went back and played his game. Brilliant. I mean, the whole thing about this Waldron offense is that. They're supposed to be drilled in the different plays, but they say the the best thing about it is that when Russ gets the line, regardless of what formation they're in, he has got the whole play sheet to to work with. So he can literally get to the line and say, right, we're supposed to be running a jet sweep or whatever. But if he looks at the defence and goes, actually, that's not going to work, we need to do this, he should be able to call it then. And I think that's what we've been lacking. I think because Pete's taken the reins so much, he's not allowed Walden to call his own plus go see what's out there. It, and if, if Pete has now eaten a bit of humble pie and goes, oh, well, you know what? Maybe I should just let him do it. That'll be it. I'll be isn't football. It, I'll be happy to pay for every week if I need to. Isn't it, isn't it so crazy, right, that literally the only thing that is pretty much standard in the standard in this way of this offense and, and and its success over the past few years and our offense. That it, 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 I think it's pretty mad when we talk about it and then when we actually think about it. Then literally the only thing that is stopping it is if just if Pete Carroll literally just just loosened the reins and just said to all he has to do is literally either just say to Russell Wilson or Shane Waldron, you can now do your job. Like that. That's literally it. And and I think you you would see this offense take it to another level, and yeah, and yet for for years he just hasn't done it. He 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 refuses to let go of the reins. But that's literally the only thing stopping it, pretty much. I think it literally needs to be he's let go of the reins. He needs to say to them, "Go do your job." When I was coaching rugby, that was all they said to people: just do your job, and enjoy mm-hmm. it. If he turned around to Russell Wilson and just said, "Do your job, go out there and enjoy yourself." You know Russ is going to come yeah. up, got cook up some weird, ridiculous play that'll make us 20 yards and people go, oh, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. And it's purely because Russ has gone, right, let's see this. Like a prime example, Cam Newton, when he was in his heyday in Carolina, he loved mm-hmm. playing the game. Mm-hmm. Like, there was that video that's resurfaced recently, which was, I can't remember who it was against, but they called exactly what play it was. And Cam's there smiling to himself and turns around the phone and goes, oh, you've been watching tape, tape two. He was like, well, what's yeah, this? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he just goes for it. Cocky, exuberant brilliance because he was loving what he was doing and he had a bit of freedom. And I think it's, it's like, Ross with that. Yeah, it's, it's like Harbour and Jackson at the minute. Whenever I watch Harbour and Jackson yeah. and Harbour literally yeah. just asks Lamar, do you want to go for it? Do you want to go for it? Do you want... And just lets him... Maybe, if could you imagine if we had Harbaugh like with that relationship with Russell Wilson, like it it it'd just be ridiculous. Like just oh. let these players who thrive on their maverick, just sort of un- unpredictability, sort of create something out of nothing type players. Let them be that and and, and stop. They don't need reins on them. That's when they thrive without the reins on them. They don't need it. 
fair enough with pocket passes like Stafford and, and to a certain extent and Cousins and your Tannehills and, you know, guys like that, then yeah, fair enough. You know, you've got to sort of probably tighten the reins a little bit and, and limit to what you call. But with guys like Jackson and, and you know, Cam Newton in his in his heyday and Russell Wilson, to, to put the reins on these type of quarterbacks is, is such it's it's such a crime, and I just wish, like I say, I just wish that wish he didn't. But is is there any other smoke screens that we've sort of uh, identified um, that potentially? I looking at stats, but these stats it's hard to. Everyone's talking about how well the defense has got. What I don't know if I agree with solely because of who they've played: the Steelers, the Saints, and the Jags, and. They did all right in the Rams game, they did. So the Rams, you could chalk down and go, okay, then. They showed glimpses there. But then the Steelers, the Saints and the Jags, you can't really go, oh, they've done a complete turnaround. Because then when the Packers roll in, in Lambeau, if it's snowing with Rodgers, is everyone going to get a rude awakening? Because everyone's shucking these, the, the stats on online about doing the top 10 for this, this and this. But I'm looking at a couple of stats here. Yards allowed per game, 31st. Uh, first downs allowed, last. Interceptions, 30th. Time of possession. But one thing that ever, since I've ever been a Seahawks player, Seahawks player, fucking yeah. Seahawks player, mm. bloody hell. <laughs> It'd be the most <laughs> fault-looking <laughs> Seahawks player you uh, surprise, guys! Were <laughs> you Sebastian? I'll be, the snap. I'll be the snap holder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Magic cans, they call me. <laughs> anyway, since I've been a Seahawks fan, Seahawks fan, all Pete Carroll's banged on about his time of possession. Yeah, the time of possession. Opposite time of possession, the last in the league. Offensive time of possession, the last in the league. So the last in the league for time of possession on offense, and the last in the league for time of possession given to a defense, uh, given to an offense on defense. So yeah. that is something that's Pete Carroll's bread and butter. And I've just found this on a fucking app. The guy's got analysts and statisticians. One of them fucking people. Statisticians. And yeah. yeah. Uh, it just, that one like stood out to me. I was just like, how are you meant to win football games when... There, there's, I'm, I'm going to mention it with Brett Davin and Lofa Tatupu. Mm-hmm. If you don't listen to it, have a listen because Lofa gives some brilliant insight. All right? So he was coached by Pete at USC and the Seahawks, and he was saying, he's very open and honest about this. He said, Pete's big thing has always been turnaways and takeovers and time in possession. Those things will win you a game from a defensive point of view, but that's something we just don't have at the moment. Unless, who, who's intercepted for us this season? Quandre Diggs. And yeah, Diggs that's it. And... Is, there, is there anyone else? No, no that's it. Three, so... three interceptions all by Diggs. Um, but, but then, but then, the turnover plus to minus ratio were actually eighth in the league with plus four on turnovers. There you go. Mm. So at least we're getting something right. Mm. But I mean, bread and butter, I don't see why we're not formulating defensive plays 
where we're in a better position for these, you know, the the, the takeaways, you know, the the interceptions. Granted, well, yeah, I was going to say granted. Ken Norton's there. Jamal Adams dropped one, but to be fair, Jamal that Adams, thing was yeah. going. Well, it was yeah, Jamal Adams, and it was going lightning speed at his face. I, I had this with James. I had this with James that everyone just everyone just jumped on Jamal's back with that. But I'd love to see ninety nine percent of people who gave him shit catch the ball at the speed it went. That thing was like a rocket yeah, in his face. But we don't get paid seventy million. That 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 it doesn't problem. It doesn't I mean, matter if you get paid seventy paid million. And, yeah, but no, but for the money we've no paid one gets paid seventy for the million way... to defy physics. Come on, if something's travelling at that velocity at you, you have got to have a spider sense to realise it's coming at your but face it's not, and no, it's but, up there to catch it. It's so. What about the? Uh, the one way he, he the busted coverage when I can't even think who we played now. Oh, that was just shit house. Like that's like, that's a different matter. I get I get that one to a certain extent, but there's I mean the Jets last year. I mean he's had a few drop that like some of them. I mean I I mean Jesus Christ. I, I don't care. I don't care how like, some of the balls were thrown in slow motion and he and he didn't come up with them. Like it, it's just like I say I I have my opinions. On, I don't think he's a bad player. I just don't think. He's a he's a player that you pay that much for a pretty so, average. Coverage. So I put this to you, James. I put this to you. Since you slagged him off in that podcast, he actually <laughs> podcast. which he, podcast? Every podcast. The one where you went. Of. The one yeah. where you went on a passionate rant about him. Um, <laughs> since then, he's actually his coverage scoring has actually been really well. So one, keep up the good work because he seems to respond to your negative. Your negative chat, but <laughs> seen as going into the bye, he actually was but, scoring quite well in coverage. Is that a smoke screen? Yeah, but is is it is it, it yeah, a smoke it screen? It is because right, okay. who, who, what receivers was he covering? For one, and and B, like it, it uh, no, like there isn't a B. What 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 one A and one B was that? Or yeah, one <laughs> like, B. What receivers is he covering? He's still got no interceptions. He, he doesn't. He doesn't get any sacks. He doesn't blitz the quarterback anymore particularly well because teams have figured him out. That's by scheme, though. You can't it blame is, him on that. It That's is to a certain scheme. extent, but uh, he, he's right, right, guys, guys, guys. This will go on all night because James will not back down so we are going to move on from the Jamal Adams talk I'm going to call it right now to OBJ we won't back down right let's roll into oh god right who wants to start can I start go on then Josh I feel like you're passionate right I I have had this conversation all week and you know where you have those theoretical conversations of who would you like to sign that would make a difference to your team and People have raised OBJ's name, and since it's happened, I have brought up some just some my own personal views. What does he offer that's different to what we've already got? What has he done to prove that he is a superstar receiver apart from a fantastic catch? Do we need an arsehole like that in our locker room? Um, the answer is nothing, nothing, and no. So we don't need another receiver like that. 
He'd... He's going to be there for selling jerseys. That's going to be it. And for people to go, we have OBJ on our team. But Russell Wilson, as it stands, schematically, isn't getting the ball enough to our two top wide receivers. Then he's going to have DS Ridge. Our tight ends aren't used. Why put OBJ in the mix for Russell Wilson then to not be able to get the ball to Tyler Lockett, who's just been paid? DK Metcalf is coming up to a contract year and will want to be paid if he stays with us, if he stays with us. All right. D. Eskridge is a rookie who needs playing time because he could come good. Gerald Everett, who is a, a big wide receiver playing tight end, and Will Disley, who has got safe hands for a tight end. Why put OBJ in there? Uh, I know we've got cap space, but why? I don't see the point in wasting it. I, I completely agree with you. Because I called it to my brother when all this nonsense started. OBJ comes into this team. He he will literally turn... I reckon he, he has the potential to turn DK into that arsehole we all love to watch because he's on our team and it's it, like it, it's our team. He's our arsehole, as I said in another podcast. He will turn into he's just an asshole because I, I think OBJ has got the presence and the personality. He's proven enough at two different teams. At the end of the day, the track record is there. The Giants wanted him gone, and the Browns wanted him gone. It was clear as day. Everyone puts this film on and goes, "Oh, is it Baker or is it OB? Is it Baker? Is it?" Baker just completely blanked him on some of them plays. I watched some of these videos and they're like, oh, so what do, what do you make of this, guys? He looked clean in his direction. Baker Mayfield, I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think he's as good as all the high, the national NFL-wide media gives him. Well, it's just the fact, he, it's just the fact he's, a, he's the best QB that the Browns have had for a long time. That's mm. why he gets so much hype, because he's made them semi-relevant. But, I mean, right, his but he isn't. Jones at the moment. He isn't. He he isn't. A, he's not a Sam Donald. He's not like an awful quarterback. Hmm. And on some of them videos, he looks directly at OBJ. And by this point, OBJ is line to line with his coverage guy. Ninety percent of the time, as it showed in that film, he beat him wide open. But Baker looks at it and turns directly away from him straight away because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to pass to him. He doesn't want him there. I don't think Baker wants him there. So then, doesn't that feed into OBJ having a point? Because because he, he must be for OBJ knows himself. He he back himself on his day to say he's a top five receiver still in the NFL. And if he knows that, like you're saying, about ninety percent of the time he's open on the snaps that he's on and the quarterback is just blatantly trying to get it to other receivers and anyone not named OBJ. Like, I think I think I would be pretty frustrated as well. And I think he had sort of, I'm not saying it was as, as bad as it was in Cleveland, but I think he had similar issues in New York with obviously Eli Manning's not a dynamic quarterback, so it didn't suit OBJ's play style. And I, and I think OBJ gets frustrated and you see him get frustrated in the antics when he doesn't feel like he's getting enough sort of, respect in terms of the of the level of player that he believes he is and, and I believe he is to be fair in his prime and when he gets the ball but, like, but when we I'll just, just chuck this in there for you then 
You tell me when his last prime was. In New York. Exactly. How many years ago? But but that's because he's practically had two years wasted in Cleveland, two, three years wasted in Cleveland because the quarterback, like you say, isn't interested in throwing him the ball. So no, no, but it's not that. that. It's not... Baker has only been been this season. Last year, and uh, like it's injuries with this guy. No one's talking, everyone's talking about, oh, he's he's legitimate, he's doesn't he's not proved anything to demand money and this, that, and the other. No one's talked about the injuries this man collects. He wasted he wasted his top end talent being a spoiled brat. At the, at the Giants I, I just think for, for me for me on this one A I don't think anyone can argue that he's not a good player and for me I don't think you can never have too many good players on your team and, and B for, for me I think if we were to look at every single player that we'd either draft or sign and, and choose not to sign him because we might have concerns that he might be a bit of a dick then we then we wouldn't sign anyone and we wouldn't win any like some of our best players. DK, let's not forget. Let's not let's not forget. DK has a, has an attitude and an ego problem at times. I imagine it's, that uh, with OBJ though. It'd be a gruesome twosome, and OBJ just drag him down. Yeah, possibly. OBJ well, lives a hip hop gangster lifestyle. You know, he's imagine about the bling and the personality, and Metcalf has got that in him and you can yeah. tell by the way he carries himself and the way he puts himself about on Instagram and all this other stuff. If he has an influence like OBJ in that locker room, I can guarantee it would be the beginning of the end for DK Metcalf. And that's something and can, the coaching staff that needs to look at. They need to protect uh, their players from poisonous influences. And OBJ and, is one of them. And OBJ so LBJ comes this season, right? Does well, stays there. I could pretty much cut my money on that DK won't sign another contract because by that time he'd he'd demand more more than his worth at that point in his career. To be fair, if if we sign him for two three years, I don't think the organisation will be comfortable giving him what he wants anyway at that point. And and for me, for me, I look at it and go, I, one of the best, arguably. The best defensive player, probably in franchise history, in my and, and one of my favourite players, was Richard Sherman. Now, Richard Sherman, if we're talking about attitudes and and, and egos, we like if, if we knew what Richard Sherman's attitude and ego was before he came into the drafts, and and that's what we we wouldn't have drafted him. And, and as us as Seahawks fans, if we knew that that's what Richard Sherman was going to be like, we'd have all turned around and said, we don't want him on our team because he's a He's a he's a complete gobshite. He's got he'll he'll turn the attitudes of everyone on that team. He'll be a bad influence, and yet we we draft him. He he has all that, and he's one of the one of the best defensive backs to to ever play the game in the last sort of right. Huge my though. yeah, Go on. my Go on. thing Let's with go. this is Richard Sherman came into a team. What Pete Carroll created, as he at the time rightfully proudly said, was a a team full of players with chips on their shoulders. When Pete Carroll dismantled, like Cam Chancellor was easy because season like career and an injury, so he's no issue. When he dismantled the last elements of what you could almost class as the attitude era in the Seattle Seahawks team with Sherman and Earl Thomas, 
and your Doug Baldwins and things like that. Until they brought Jamal Adam in, Adams in, name a player on this team who was who was remotely like any of them lot from that era. Because he hadn't, he got he got rid of all them lot because his whole mantra, how I personally looked at it, is his whole mantra is he wants players to come in, feel like themselves, express themselves. But the thing what happened was because they expressed themselves and they became damn good. I don't. I think towards the end he couldn't control them anymore. They didn't want to listen to him. Richard Sherman said it when he left in his interview. He said the same old speeches every single year get a little bit tiring after a while. To me, Pete Carroll looked at him and he he created a monster he couldn't control by the end. And I honestly think he took a massive shift when he cleared out all the last of the you'd say gobshites. He got rid of them all and never brought them back. Can I jump in and just say that all of this is now going to be irrelevant because there is some breaking Odell Beckham Jr. news as we're live on the podcast. Is he going to Green Bay? He is finalising a deal with one of our opponents that we'll be facing again this year. It is not Green Bay. We're going to have to be getting used to Odell Beckham quite often now as he is apparently finalising a deal with the Rams. Fuck off. Fucking you I'm not joking. (laughs) I've literally just got it here. Yeah. What the fuck? What? Do you know what? Do you know what? (laughs) Fuck the Rams, but my God, their GM needs... Man, what a guy. What a guy. Do either of you follow rugby at all, right? So there was a big thing about Saracens going over the salary cap and it all got investigated because there were all these like backhanders that were happening and people investing in companies. There's got to be something going on with the Rams. I'm sorry. Look who they've got on their roster. They're paying people. How are they they getting these? How? I really fucking hate them. Von Miller and OBJ. In the last what two weeks? Week? Do you know what? Do you know what? The Rams are going up and up, and they're now at the top of my most hated list now. And this is not just a, a this <laughs> is not just like a, an immediate reaction. But when I first started following the Seahawks, it was the 49ers. I hated them the most because it was in the midst of when we were having our big mm-hmm. ding dong with the Niners and the championship games and stuff like that. I hated them the most. They were my biggest rival. Then it was Green Bay. Then it was probably the Rams or, or the Panthers or something like that in the time that I was getting into it. But now it's just going, the, the Rams have sort of taken a jump up on, on my ladder of hatred every single year for the past three or four years. And now I, I just, I can't stand them. Like, I, They're becoming oh, the Man City. I can't the NFL. stand them. And partly because they're be- becoming good and they're annoying me. But again, I just, <laughs> oh, like from, we're now going to have to put up with Von Miller and and now and now OBJ, they've got rid of Deshaun Jackson and and thought, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just have OBJ. The, the Rams were a complete non-factor in the sweepstakes at all for the past however long this has rumbled on now. And all of a sudden, yeah, no, Rams are finalised. Brilliant, brilliant. So yeah, all this this last sort of twenty minutes talking about potentially OBJ being on the Seahawks is now pointless. Which which leads us back into the uh, the conversation or the, the the point before this, which was smoke screens. Was the whole OBJ conversation with the Seahawks a smoke screen to detract from the fact that we're having a losing season? Yes, 
Very, very oh, well. there you go. Yeah. oh, Josh. Well, well, yeah. that is. You know what? Mind that blowing. is a perfect way to lead this segment because it's pointless <laughs> now. Because he's a prick and he's a dirty ram, and I didn't like him anyway. Dirty and boy. now he can do one. But do you know the? Do you know the funny thing about it is though, as we said about Kyler, and this is going to roll into the last point and the picture of the NSC West. So, like I said at the start, I was right about Kyler Murray. That injury isn't going away because he is, let me just, I had it before, let me get his schedule up because I had his schedule a second ago because I've been waiting to talk about this because I love talking about dirty fucking teams. So the Panthers... More news, Justin. Oh, for God's sake. I was going to say the Panthers have just signed Cam Newton to a one-year $10 million deal. Yeah, oh yeah, that happened today. Yeah, yeah, that happened today. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, he, he came up a couple of hours ago saying that they're re-signing him, and that's official. So, right, the Panthers. The one thing that the Panthers do have is a really good defense. Mm. Now they play Kyler this week on a dodgy ankle. They could, like, and this isn't me. <laughs> this isn't me. No, listen. This isn't me wanting players to. Think that. I'm just talking about the team here. Right. Right, so the Panthers could bang him up more. Then the Rams can get him. The Cowboys, if we miraculously like switch on in after the bye, like we have in the past, and our D line starts thingy, so he could be limping into the playoffs. And now we've seen it multiple times when these teams go off to really good starts and then they limp into the playoffs. And then they end up just getting done over by the teams who turn up there because they're hot and then they thingy. Now the Rams, the, the Rams are with that signing because Matthew Stafford, I called it at the start of the season. I thought he would have crumbled into a million pieces by now. But he's having his little niggles, but he's still staying there and he's really fucking annoyingly really efficient. But... He's got the thumb injury. He's got whatever injuries going into this game with. Is it his wrist or something after his fucking pirouette oh, interception? Shoulder, yeah, fucking tit. So I'm going to, looking at their thing, we've got the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan fucking, he's lucky to keep his job by the end of this year. But just say their D-line turns up because they turn up whenever they fucking fancy it and they bang him up a little bit. Then... You got the cards. You got the Ravens. I really wanted to read the schedule and say Matthew Stafford's going to be fucked by the end of the year. So fuck OBJ, but no, he's probably going to be all right going into the playoffs. I, prick. I think we're going to have to start a weekly segment as well on the podcast now. Where is Kyler Murray getting killed this week? Because every, <laughs> every single podcast, Pezzago, I think I have a funny feel. This this defensive line could kill. Carla Murray, <laughs> and he's still going. <laughs> so it's, it's like I, the way I imagine it from Carla Murray's point of view. Have you, have you both seen that film, The Iron Giant? No. Oh, right. um, it's an old, old, old animated film. But there's a, there's a scene in it with a big little robot. lad. Yeah, yeah, little yeah, lad yeah. stands in front of this big robot. I reckon that's what Kyla Murray must feel like every time a big D lineman comes near him, <laughs> and he just manages to escape every time he just legs it. Yeah. The, the, the couple of times he does get tagged, he seems to get hurt. So all we can hope for no. is that that happens. Right. So look at this, right? 
Kyler's been in the league. This is his third year in the league, isn't it? Mm. Am I right in saying that? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Three. Yeah, I yeah. So. yeah. So look at the first year. The first year in the league. I'm sure towards the back end of the year they fell off because he got injured. Last year they fell off because he got injured. The injury has now happened this season. They've got a lot of leeway with the record, though. They, they do have a lot of leeway, and don't get me wrong, yeah. they will make the playoffs probably because of that record. But making the playoffs and being successful in the playoffs is two different oh, yeah. things. Like yeah, yeah. no one's no one's talking about the drop off from DeAndre Hopkins. Like that's real. That's real. AJ Brown, he started breaking down like he does every single year. So Hopkins will be back, and he's always serviceable, whether he's got a snag or not. AJ Brown, AJ Brown, AJ Green, I think it's a Brown, AJ Green, he started breaking down like he has done the last couple of years. So he's probably going to be a non factor. Then you've got Rondell Moore, who has been a non factor. He's shown flashes, but I don't think he can sustain a full workload in his rookie year. Um, Kirk, Zach Ertz. I think he's passed it now. Yeah, he's he's a very safe. Yeah, he is a very safe tight end. I'll give you that one. And then you've got Christian Kirk. But their weapons are just starting to break down now. They are. They're like, they're all, like, obviously, they do, you do do it, don't you? This halfway through the season, you do pick up niggles. But if Kyle, if this is Kyler's, like, start of his breakdown, he picks up this niggle and injury he just can't get rid of all season. Like, Which makes it even worse because with the Rams being so stacked and so healthy, even if I don't even know who their bloody backup quarterback is, even with the backup quarterback, it's that knob from the uh, playoffs, isn't it? What's his name? Who oh, yeah. went out with concussion and then Goff just fucking. This is this is how right. So I'm a bit heated now because we're talking about the division. This is how Pete Carroll's a fucking dick. He oh, let yeah. Wolford, that's his name, Wolford. Fucking throw all over us and make us look like absolute clowns after we just won the division, and then and then we take him out. He gets taken out of the game, and then he lets Jared Goff destroy us. Do I, do I remember correctly? But just on that game, Aaron Donald missed a little bit of that game as well, didn't he? He missed a few defensive series, I'm sure. Yeah, I think he did. And we it won. was. It, 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 this is this is the oh. How look, Jared Goff led Rams, regardless of whether McVay is there or not, has embarrassed us year after fucking year. And that's really pissed me off. They have our number, to be fair. They, they do have our number. No, no, no. They don't have our number. They don't have Russell Wilson's number. They have Pete Carroll's number. McVay knows how to play Pete Carroll. Dude, I, I read an interview on Staley, who come from the Rams. He didn't interview how the modern day defense has changed from, and he he opened like in this interview said has changed from Pete Carroll's cover three, I think Pete Carroll uses, whereas now I think they're using some sort of cover two, yeah. and he's saying about how the cover three doesn't work anymore and how it's the most. Um, how it's the most exploited defence in the league because it's been used for so many years. Because after we did what we did, every single team in the league 
you jump on what's hot. They all jumped on it and they all killed it. Everyone knows how to destroy it, but we're the dicks who stayed with it. And then we scratch our heads every year when they say, well, we had to have a sit down together because we're professional elite athletes and tell each other how we're meant to do our own jobs. But then they apparently had a miraculous change. Fucking dog shit. The only good positive about this is the 49ers are fucking shit. Two QB system isn't going to work for him. Oh, are you okay. thinking? Uh, you thinking Saints esque now with Jimmy Jimmy G and uh, and Trey Lance? Listen, Trey Lance. That's what they're doing. Trey Lance is just a new Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> I love some. Of I your called it at the start of the season, and I'll stay with this. No, it's, it's true. Right, he can oh. throw a decent. He can throw a decent bomb. He can throw a decent. He can throw a decent enough pass, right? But when you start getting to throw multiple passes of different varieties, he struggles, right? And yes, you can say, you can use any excuse you want in the book. Oh, well, in college, he didn't have this exposure and he didn't have that playing time and he didn't play against this and that and that. You can make as many excuses as you want in the book to try and make him sound good. But it's simple as it is. Colin Kaepernick came into the league, was six foot, athletic, could throw a decent pass. But after a bit, the league figured him out. And when he got figured out, all he had left was to use his mobility to get out of trouble. And again, he could throw an all right pass. And that's just how I see Trey Lance. Like the Niners are praying to God, this guy is going to be the saviour of this team. But I, I don't personally, I don't see it. I was just shocked when they, they traded away so much capital to move up to get him. And I thought, really? Because what, didn't he only play three games? Yeah, he didn't. Uh, did did he even play last year? And stuff. And I, I heard play. a stat of like he played three no, games. And that that, so his only, his only good season and his only essentially season of tape for North Dakota, like, I don't even know what the division college it is, maybe two or three. So the, 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 and you only played in college football last year. You only played your own conference. So he's playing against low caliber college teams and went on a tear. Like you can't take it away from him. Like yardage, touchdowns, rushing yard, everything. He went on a fucking tear and everyone got overly excited about him, about his rushing ability. But he showed nothing. It's like Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, I, I, I I had the feeling at the start of the season, and he's proven me right now. He came out of BYU, played his own conference for a year, put monster points left, right, and centre. Everyone got starry eyes, and he's just shit. But yeah, but he is playing on the Jets. I don't give a fuck he's where he's playing. He's not getting much help. Yeah, but he's not. No, 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 no. Trevor Lawrence is playing on the Jags. No, 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 no. He's playing on the Jets, but then Mike, what's his name? Mike White, who takes home Mike 50k White. a week, looks better than him. Then Mike White goes yeah, out, but, and Josh Johnson comes in and looks better than him. But they, but those two guys have gotten absolutely nothing to lose. They're, they're just playing because, like, you can imagine with Zach Wilson being that mindset of being that high of a draft, being the number two pick. Like he, right, okay. he's constantly he's. He's the guy under pressure, isn't he? He's the guy everyone's like. And Mike White and a, a, whoever the Johnson guy, they can just come in and play without any. Comp- it's like Geno Smith. 
Do you know something? He can just come in and play without any fear or any sort right. of responsibility. He getting me heated now. Did you watch the Mike White game? <laughs> did you watch the Mike White game? So like, right? You know, you see, he came in like reckless abandon, whatever, nothing to lose, right? It wasn't the fact he had nothing to lose. It's the fact that he just played better football. He made the right reads, through to the right people, made the right decisions. Wilson is just, he's trying to throw it up like he's still playing college ball. He's playing against people that have been in the league for 10 years and he's wondering why he's got so many interceptions. Now, Mike White, wherever he came from, however long he's played, realises he's playing in the NFL and he realises that he's going to get picked off if he throws some stupid passes. And he didn't. He made effective throws. He, he Didn't he win them the game? He's now got his jersey and a ball in Canton for like the most completed passes or touchdowns from a first-time starter. But there's a reason for that. If, if you're a high draft pick, in my opinion, you should play. You've got pressure on you, fair enough, but you should play wanting to be the best and not wanting to throw stupid shit. This is where but... Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, playing for the Jags, he's pretty he's shit out of luck, to be honest, for the next couple of seasons until he gets some picks and picks. But he, the majority of the time, is trying to make the right decision. He's not just winging a ball out on a hope and a prayer like Wilson. Right. So, can we change this segment to not the picture of the NFC West, the picture of rookie quarterbacks? Hey, because, hey, you took us down this right. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> you said something. You said something, James. What I can't let lie until I prove you very, very much really wrong. What? Right? So, so, you are, so, so, it is you taking us down. Zach Wilson, he plays on the Jets. He plays on the Jets. Yeah. And he's, he's, them two haven't got nothing to lose with your statement. All right, okay. So he loses three on the bounce. One, what was by a shutout of 26 points. Then he wins in overtime against the Titans at the time where the Titans were just weird. Then loses to the Falcons, goes into the bye week. You think, all right, then you've got a week to just settle down, you know, Pro, try and process everything, try and like see where you're going wrong to then come out. And he got injured in this game, fair enough. But by the time he got injured, they were pretty much like 54 points down. And it's a meltdown, right? So before the bye week, they're one and four. So at that point, what has he got to lose? Or what is he whichever right way around saying that is. He, like, he's got something to lose, so he feels the pressure, but he hasn't got anything to lose by that point. So, like Josh said, you kind of, you kind of just go, right, I need to change what I'm doing now, and I, do, I, I essentially have nothing to lose because of how bad this season started. You know, to me, he's one of those people, you know, when you first look at someone and you think you're a jumped up prick. He yes. looks like the type of the type of 16-year-old in a US high school that you'd see in some US, like some teen dramedy who would roll up in his with his Letterman jacket in a Ferrari just being a complete spoiled dickhead. His mum and dad's. His mum and dad's. Right, right. Hmm. So... James, let's just say it like this. You're wrong about Zach Wilson. He's shit. Right. You are. He's shit. Aaron Aaron Rodgers wasn't brilliant when he first started in Green Bay, was he? 
wasn't, yeah. no, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as what Wilson's but on some of the best quarterbacks don't always start particularly well. Oh, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's trying he's trying to make plays, isn't he? He's trying to show off, he's trying to make plays, he's trying to show just second year, third year, when he settles down a bit, then 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 I'll judge him. But 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 behind the second and third year, because he's been thrusted into the starting position. So I do feel bad in, uh, on him a little bit, right? Because the Jets should have never took him as high as they did. Because the two people who had the most risks against him were Trey, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's been thrust into a position where he's not ready for. He's clearly not ready to be a starter. And clearly Trey Lance isn't ready to be a starter because Shanahan would have played him by now if he was ready. So that is a real indication, if I was a Niners fan, to be worried about what product you've actually got with Trey Lance. That's them two. Now, moving on to the biggest fraud of this draft, in my opinion. <laughs> At this moment in time. It is you taking us down these... Uh, oh, no, 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 but, but, but we're here now, James. Well, You yeah. set me off because of your stupid comment. Live in the now. You, you're Because of your stupid comment about Zach Wilson, you've set me off now because that Trevor Lawrence, right? Oh, here we go. He has ability. Don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking it. But... The amount of smoke that's blown up his fucking ass by the national media is embarrassing. He, 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 when people want to take the rose tinted glasses off and admit that he has lost the Jags more games than anyone else, people will feel better about themselves because he has. It's a simple fact. He is doing, he is doing stupid shit. What's making me the feel like around him is stupid. No, no, I will give him. I will stupid. He's on the Jags. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that his head coach is an absolute twat. Well, they, yeah, that doesn't help, does it? Right. So Urban getting pissed up every fucking week—that doesn't help. Right. So I give him the benefit of the doubt with that. But from what I watched from him, the ability is there. Don't get me wrong; the ability is there. I'm not knocking that he could turn into something really good. But at this moment in time, I think people need to get out of his ass a little bit and realise... Some receivers, me. Then help him out a little bit. How, how, how much can, can, a, can a, either like a, someone like a veteran tight end or, or some good receivers help out a, a rookie quarterback? He hasn't got any... Who's he got to throw to that's reliable? What some what Marvin Jones? Well, like a, a, pretty, a, a washed up Marvin Jones. I've just I've just thought, Jay. What we, we, we could do is we could cut out this QB rookies bit and do it as like a its own little entity because this could be <laughs> that, that's bad. That's bad to buy, but it's just a feeling when I watch him. He he's he's just to blame as everyone else on that team, in my opinion. And yeah, I know what you mean about the the receivers, but sometimes when all your receivers are struggling, you you just sometimes got to look at it and go, well, who's... Is it them or is it him? Like, it's, it's a mad one. It, it is a mad one. I just think he's, at this current moment in time, he's, I don't care what team he's on, he's massively overhyped. It, he's, for me, 
everyone's like compares him. He's the he's the greatest talent to come into the league since Drew Locke. Well, I started watching the NFL when Drew Locke was there, and he did some really good stuff, Drew Locke. But I could never understand the over the top hype that Drew Locke radiated to him. And I don't know whether that was because he just started picking up too many injuries what inevitably shortened, shortened his career. But it, nah, I, I just don't see it. Like, the biggest sleeper, like, people might not, people who don't watch the wider league might not realise it because if they only go fantasy, then he's terrible. But Matt Jones, by far, is the best quarterback who's come out of this group. What a lad ass. Right. It might it might be a case of he's he's gone into the best system to suit his skill set. But mm. he, he is by far. Look at the Patriots. Look at the Patriots. I put a bet on the Patriots at the start of this year that because I called that they would get Matt Jones. And then I called that they will shock everyone by the time the playoffs come and they will make a deep run into that playoffs. So I put a 33 to one bet on the Patriots to be in that Super Bowl. You, you put a, th- how much did you put on that? You Doyle? Not a lot. Just a couple of quid. In the, in the Super Bowl, the Patriots. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. What's your want for NFC West then for the end of the season? I think the Rams will overrun the cards and then it's really just a dust-up between us and the Niners who like who who finishes last essentially who has the harder run. I think the Niners have got quite a they've got a what do you call it they've got quite a easy run to the end of the year so it wouldn't surprise me looking at our room, if we ended up last, unless with Russ coming back and Pete hopefully having a change of outlook, we can switch on. Yeah. Like I say, I think for me, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a flip of the coin. He'll be one or number two. It, it's, it's the Rams or the Cardinals. Um, probably, probably the Rams for me, but like you say, it's a flip of a coin. I, I can see the argument for both sides who would finish first or second. I think, I, I'm not, I don't know the 49ers schedule off the top of my head. I don't think they need, they've, they've played the Cardinals twice, so they don't play them again. I, I think they've got to play the Rams again. Um, I've got it up here. I think it's a, I think it's a slightly it. kinder schedule than ours, but, I mean, the schedule's not everything. Obviously, you can beat you know any team on any day. But um... right, let me try and get it up for you, so you've got a bit of context. So you've, they've got the Rams, then the Jags, then the Vikings, then the Seahawks, then the Bengals, the Falcons, the Titans, the Texans, and then the Rams. That, that, that's a kind of schedule, really, for me. In terms of on paper, but then are they a worse team than us at this minute? Yeah, probably are. Um, obviously, that they are bottom of the NFC West. Um, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll stay confident in our boys and, and say with Wilson coming back and 
I'll, I'll, I'll keep the confidence. We'll, end, we'll, we'll, we'll draw, draw it to a close on, on, uh, on more positivity. I think we'll, uh, I think we'll finish above the Niners. I think we'll, I think we'll beat them again at home anyway. So I think we'll hopefully have two tiebreaker wins over the, over the Niners. Um, so yeah, I think we'll finish third. Like I say, that the, the playoffs are still there for them. It like I say, it's a one-win swing at the minute for like that final wild card spot with the Fultons being at, at four and four and us at three and five. It's a one-win, one-loss away type thing, and we're on level terms, and then it's completely open. Um, so I, you know, on on the basis of that, you, you can't discount it at all, in my opinion. But it, it is going to be a challenge. There are some sort of fundamental things that, that that are still costing this team and, and stupid things that are still costing this team that, you know, like I say, even if, let's be real, even if we make the playoffs, unless there's a, is, is a pretty much a wholesale change in some to some extent and to some respects, then, you know, they're not going to be serious contenders down the stretch come February and late January. But, you know, like I say, we've got, we may as well try and go for it as much as we can this season because we haven't got a draft pick to tank for. Um, you know, we haven't got, you know, th- th- there's just no real sort of benefit to not really just going all out now. Like I said, there's nothing that, you know, we can't just sit and go, oh, well, let, let's just, it, it, instead of, you know, making the playoffs, making the wild card, getting beat, you know, let, let's just tank and get a top 10 pick. Like, it, it, it's, you know, we can't do that anyway. It's just like, I just feel like, you know, let's just, like, what, what a, I think I mentioned it to you before as well. I just think the Seahawks have got an opportunity that they haven't had in the in the Russell Wilson era, certainly, and, and to like I say to an extent the Pete Carroll era that they've never had this type of opportunity to just sort of experiment and get a head start and and sort of figure out who they want to be without without like whether they make the playoffs like or not this year. It's not costing the team anything, like say in terms of draft position. Right, like it's not costing us anything. So let's just sort of if there was ever a time to sort of rip the sort of like the playbook up and the rule book up and, and just like just experiment with things and just figure out things, let's just do it now. Second half of the season. If we don't make the playoffs, we don't make the playoffs. No one's massively expecting us to make the playoffs anyway in house and in the rest of the NFL. So, you know, I, I, I don't see what there is to lose from the, from the franchise's standpoint. Um, and like say, and if and if we don't make the playoffs, maybe that'll be the end of Pete Carroll. So it it, it uh, I mean it probably won't. But you took, um, you took the words right out of my mouth, James. I was going to say my quick, short, sweet addition to that would be if we lose. I think it's because of like record there's a high chance we will lose in Green Bay. But if we lose in Green Bay, it's probably pretty much done with the playoffs. And if that is the case, I'd rather finish last because the inevitable goal, in my opinion, is to completely have a reshake in the organisation. And for me personally, it's for Pete Carroll to go. For that to happen. Well, that, that, that's, that's what... Certainly, us on this podcast one, and 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 a lot of fans, and and increasingly volumes of fans are seemingly wanting now is is, is change at, at the head coaching position. But and and if and if there was ever a season to sort of like, you know, not tank, but sort of, you know, experiment and then play badly because of it and lose games because of it, but that's the end result. Like you know, it, it's wouldn't. It's not like we're in like a. 
you know, with the state of the team at the minute, it's not like it's a it was a it's like a Super Bowl or bust feeling still around the team. Like it, it it's if we don't make the playoffs, it's like well, you know, this year was shit anyway. So what? Like it doesn't really matter. Like it, there's never been a better year for the Seahawks to play badly to get rid of Pete Carroll. Like if we want to get rid of Pete Carroll, like what what a free hit year to do it because it, it doesn't it doesn't cost us anything really. So, yeah, and and the fact that even an even more solid factor being able to get rid of him is he is clearly shown in these last couple of years he's in win now mode, and if this is his win now mode, this is the best time to be able to get rid of him and move on because he's in win now mode and he's oh, yeah. potentially going to have us bottom of the NFC West. So, so yeah, it, it, it's win wins really. It, it, like I say, it's not the season we all wanted and we all envisaged. It, it, it's, I'm certainly not particularly happy that we're in this position, but we are in this position. We're where we are. We can't change it now, and it, it just sort of feels like, yeah, go for it. If it doesn't work, maybe that'll spell the end of Pete Carroll. It doesn't mean anything draft wise. Doesn't mean anything in terms of probably players that will lose or anything like that. So, so it's basically what, what I want to say from this team. I don't care particularly what happens now, whether we make the playoffs or not. Just use this second half of the season, experiment, play rookies, give more game time to Alton Robinsons and Daryl Taylors and Trey Brown, start them. You know, we, we don't. I even got to the point where I was like, you know, we don't even need to see. Players like DJ Reed, as as much as like I like watching DJ Reed play, we all know DJ Reed's a good cornerback. Like play Trey Brown, start him, and 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 if, if Nigel Warrior's fit, start Nigel Warrior. Fuck it, see it. Find any like Ryan Neal. Like even though you know you've got Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams, like we don't need to see any more of certain players in in certain areas to know that they're good and that we want to take them forward with the team. So let let's play these guys that. You know, wouldn't have got a look in otherwise. And and let's see if we can like like say I was high on John Ratigan. Let's give like people like him. I know he's played well on special teams. Get him on the field for defensive snaps. We don't need to see any more of Benson Mayowa. We don't need to see any more of fucking Carlos Dunlap and, and and people like that. And you know, <laughs> Al Woods to a certain extent. We all know what these guys are. They're not good. Those type of guys aren't going to improve anymore. They're in the primes of their careers and past the primes of their careers in certain players. Like just play play some of the young guys that wouldn't have got a chance otherwise, and see if there's talent there that we can unearth and all get optimistic about, and 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 sort of find guys that we can take into the future. And instead of playing guys like Benson Mayowa, who is going to be gone possibly at the end of the year anyway, we know how good he is. Like we don't need to see any more from Benson Mayowa. I'd much rather see, and I'd get much more excited for these last eight nine games, whatever it is. If if I knew that all of our sort of like backup and and rookie players were playing just to see, it's it's like that. I want that sort of like preseason feel, like where you're watching to see who's gonna who's gonna stand out in preseason. Obviously, it was like DJ Dallas and that this year, and we're all like, you know, it just just having that feel about it. Let let's get guys on like, like you say, let's see let's see more of Freddie Swain, let's see more of Penny Hart, let's see let's see these guys, and let's see if we've got some more talent that we didn't know about and that was sort of hidden away on this on this team because certain guys we, we, we don't really need to be playing them anymore so that, that that's what that's what I want to see from, from the rest of this season uh, yeah I agree with everything you said I did 
I didn't want to butt in because I I, I felt the passion that, that it was a wholehearted, passionate speech, and I thought I'm just going to let him go with this. I agree with everything. As it's like, Thank I agree with it all. And the only, the only little, only little thing I'll drop in there is what Pete Carroll's shown us all these last couple of years is he only stays with what's comfortable now. So even though I completely agree and th- I will go down that route as well, Pete Carroll is oh, not going to do that. Yeah, no, it won't happen. It's just, yeah, it's wishful thinking. But I completely agree, mate. Well, thank you very much. And like I say, we'll, we'll end the podcast on, on that and, and we'll end the podcast on confirming that Odell Beckham is now officially an LA Ram. So that's signed, sealed, done. So we'll look forward to playing. Dirty, dirty prison. Yeah, and the following, I don't know the length of the contract or anything like that. I, I've just seen it. That it is just one year. Is it just one year? Right. So yeah, it's just for one year. We'll see how he looks. We'll we'll uh, we'll give him our best and see what he looks. So that'll be interesting as well. But uh, thanks, thanks very much again, mate. It's been uh, it's been really good. Obviously, a big thanks to Josh. We've had a few sort of technical problems again with Spotify Green Room at the end of this podcast. So Josh is, uh, if, if you're wondering why he's been awfully quiet, he's not just sort of gone awfully quiet and got nothing to say because we all know Josh has got plenty to say and we love him for that uh, we've just uh, we've lost a little bit for the last sort of 20 minutes half an hour um, so it's uh, it's uh, you know teething problems again with this Spotify agree room the way we do it but uh, no it's been a blast with uh, with both of you and uh, a big thanks and we look forward to to getting back into the swing of it now that the uh, the bye week's done and uh, hey, what a way to kick it off again even though we all think we're going to lose Green Bay on Sunday I can't wait for it, 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 it even though we lose every time I love watching it's good to see Russ back it's good to see Russ back yeah it's good to see Russ back and it's Seahawks Green Bay it, it's just such a, it's one of those fixtures that you just get excited for it, it's like yeah bring it on so yeah. hot take right now James to finish the podcast off if Russell Wilson wins in Green Bay, if he wins in Green Bay, we go, we make the playoffs, and we get to the championship round through the wild card. Well, thanks everyone for listening. That's been positive, <laughs> Pez. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's all it took. One win. We've been like all that throughout the podcast. One win. Yeah. Oh, but by the way, if we do win at Lambo this week, which we're not going to, but if we do, we're going to the NFC Championship, by the way. I love that. Just, yeah, just casually. Yeah. We're not going to, but if we do, <laughs> NFC Championship. Forget everything we've said, NFC Championship. <laughs> I know Josh would agree with me. It's fine. Josh would agree with us and hey, it would it would be a confidence booster I'll give you that so you never know but uh, yeah bring it on uh, but no thanks again everyone and thanks everyone for listening and uh, I look forward to doing this again very soon and hopefully we'll be doing it on the back of a, a record setting and uh, record breaking Russell Wilson first win in Lambo yeah touch wood yeah thanks everyone hopefully go on. see you later see you later mate